This is a Soul Fire production. Hi, this is Kimberly Kleiman Lee, executive coach, performance consultant, and host of the Do I Dare podcast. If you're a leader who wants to inspire, empower, and raise the leadership bar, then you have come to the right place, my friend. Here you will get access to powerful yet practical solutions that elevate your performance and dissolve roadblocks. Do you dare to lead in a way that moves the needle and scales the impact? Yeah? Then let's do it. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Do I Dare podcast. I'm Kimberly Kleiman Lee, your host, and I am excited about today's topic. Okay, everybody, we're about halfway through the year, and this is your work conscience calling. Remember those goals and objectives you set back in January? How are you actually doing on those? Have you completed what you set out to complete by this point in 2021? Have your goals and objectives evolved or changed? Have they been interrupted by some big changes at work? Have you been redirected because you got a new manager? Are you on track to meet your objectives? If not, what's gotten in the way? I don't know about you, but I have been hearing from so many clients that meetings, meetings are the thing getting in the way of making actual progress. You know, those goals and objectives you set back in January, well, they're probably still looming large on your personal agenda. And your manager, quite frankly, still has these expectations of you. Your pay should be based on the goals and objectives you set in January. Your performance should be reviewed against those tasks. And your time should be spent actually achieving and making the progress that's necessary and proof that you're actually contributing to your company in meaningful ways. Bottom line, you are paid for your time, and you need to manage how you spend that finite resource. So it's easy to forget the annual goals you had or the quarterly objectives you well-meaningly set while you're in the midst of all of this work busyness. But here's the thing. The busyness isn't actually getting any real work done, is it? Again, what's getting in the way? Well, I'm hearing meetings. Meetings are getting in the way. And by the time you actually get to the work part, the thought part, the doing part, it's late at night or it's a Sunday on your back porch or sometimes it's even on vacation when you actually have some quiet, some space and a good chunk of meaningful time. Well, that just doesn't seem healthy or on occasion productive, does it? In today's episode, we'll explore what has now been exacerbated by the pandemic, and that's the need for endless, needless, mindless, rudderless, back-to-back early mornings through late-night meetings. We have all lost our way and put ourselves on a calendar autopilot. When this happens, not only does it contribute to our busy, stressed, and tired work lives, but our companies are losing massive opportunities for actual productivity. So let's just do some basic math here. Let's say you have five people gathered for an hour-long meeting, and each of those individuals makes approximately $150,000 per year. Let's just use USD pre-tax for this example. That equates to approximately $78 an hour. And I'm using 1,920 hours of actual work time. 
I do know that most of us put in more than that if we are salaried. That means your company would have spent $390 in that one hour meeting. Okay, you might say that's just a drop in the bucket. Well, what if that meeting were held weekly for 48 weeks out of the year? That's $18,720 for a repeat one hour meeting with five people. Still not enough to move the needle for you? Well, let's just look at that maybe a different way. Let's say you are in meetings for six hours a day, five days a week. Your company essentially pays you, if you make that 150 k that we talked about earlier, $2,340 each week to sit in meetings. If you did that for 49 weeks, that equates to $114,660 each year your company pays you to sit in meetings. And that's just your salary. That's not including full compensation and benefits like health care, maybe your pension if your company's still offering that and so forth. So my question to you is, is it worth it? If you're an employee and maybe the dollar value doesn't uh, create a sense of urgency for you. What if you're a manager of those employees? Are you getting what you're paying for? Now, to be clear, meetings are necessary. If there's a clear need and intention that's well facilitated into a viable outcome. I'm noticing more and more junior members of our workforce have a difficult time discerning when a topic calls for typing versus talking. We have one or two generations now in the workforce who uh, only know how to interact with professors and friends and coworkers and clients through typing, texting, maybe email, more so a social media app. They've actually swung the pendulum of meetings the other way to no meetings. I'll just get what I need to get done by sending off a quick bit of words. And thus they miss out on critical dialogues that bring context and direction and conflict, healthy conflict, meaning and key decisions to the table. These are the meetings that I'm not referring to in this episode. Those are the meetings that need to be had. The unproductive meetings I'm referring to have become such an issue for my clients and on occasion me that I'm going to dedicate a couple podcast episodes to this topic. This episode is going to focus on getting control over your calendar once again, especially at this halfway point. What can you do to salvage the rest of the year in a meaningful way? The next episode will focus on the different types of meetings or gatherings that ensure you're using the right tool for the right job. We've all gone again on autopilot and we're just blocking time without really giving thought to agendas, shape, context, format, and so forth. The final episode in this small series will give you uh, some meeting best practices, some outcomes-based agendas, how to select the right participants for the job, some action-taking templates, and some team-building quick wins. All the things are what we're going to talk about in that final episode. And I'll even throw in a few tools for you, for those of you who don't have a set of your own to get you started. Now, I'm grateful for a lot of the lessons that I've learned during my time at General Electric. And at the top of the list is the grooming I received on how to simply get stuff done. They were and remain one of the best cultures at execution. 
And the way they encourage us to do that is to really be thoughtful about the way in which we spent our time and to protect it, to leverage it, to share it with discretion and to maximize it, especially when gathering with others. So let's start this conversation with you and your calendar. In essence, your time, the finite resource you have each day, each week to actually get stuff done. Again, you get paid for how you spend your time, regardless of what you thought you were hired for. How you spend your time is the exchange for money and benefits and uh, those sorts of things. Depending on your role in the organization, your time could be spent in a transactional way, maybe where productivity gains and losses are very clear. Those would be for folks like factory line workers, or sales reps, or call center experts, physicians, say, service engineers, and more. For those of you who work in a more traditional business or functional role, productivity is a bit more nebulous to define. If you work in HR, finance, legal, supply chain, sourcing, quality, engineering, research, product development, and IT, the way you spend your time isn't measured on a dashboard, like physicians who are expected to see a certain number of patients each day, or a sales rep who tracks the number of prospects she visits, or deals she's closed. Time for most of us is discretionary. And I say this with love, dear friends, most of us have lost our discretion. I touched on this topic in an earlier podcast, but let's take a deeper dive on the way in which we leverage our time. The first way is how we plan for it. The second is how we prioritize for it. And the third is how we pivot when we're asked for more of it. Okay, so let's take that from the top. First, planning. How many of you actually take the time to plan your upcoming week, month, quarter, or year, much less your day? I once worked for a leader who had an amazing routine around his calendar management. On Friday or Saturday, he would review how he spent his time in the previous week and then how, again, he planned to to spend the time he had for the upcoming week. He'd ask himself where he added value that week, which uh, meetings he could have delegated to somebody else, how many employees he met with, how many customers he met with, how much time was spent problem solving or just reacting, how much time was spent building and developing uh, versus uh, course correcting. He took that knowledge and then adjusted his upcoming week. He would ensure he had time each morning to think and plan, especially if he knew he had a difficult conversation on his agenda. For that day, he built in time to connect to his network outside of the company, to read and learn and stay fresh in his industry. He secured time to work out and take care of himself because that, again, for him, was how he would become the most productive for that day. And he ensured that he nourished himself. He had lunch, even if that meant that most of his meals were accompanied by others with meetings. He was meticulous with his time and did the best he could to ensure that he was performing at the top of his game. He was definitely a role model for me and the rest of the employees at this company. Now, I've spent a few episodes sharing the detail of my morning routine, and planning my calendar is a big part of that routine. Like many of you, I manage my time with an online calendar. I also have a software product that gives people access to my online calendar, regardless of the calendar tool they use. I happen to use Book Me, but Calendarly is also a very popular option. 
Now, although I'm a fan of efficiency in helping people to schedule time with just a simple click, I do control what time is available for them to take. And that's sometimes uh, where we um, go off the rails a bit. So let's be honest with ourselves. People will take any time you have available. So you need to control that. Let's just talk about a couple ways how. I've been asked, now, should I take my calendar offline or block people from seeing my availability at all? And a few years ago, I might have said, it's safe to try. But now my opinion is no longer. Uh, it's no longer socially acceptable in most organizational cultures to take your calendar offline. People need and want to see your availability. It's, um, it's just an easier way to get time with you, especially if most of us, which let's be honest, most of us do not have an assistant. Blocking your calendar or not allowing people to see your availability just makes other people's lives more difficult. And you definitely don't want to do that. Instead, be in control of your calendar. Block work time, workout time, family time. Schedule your most important meetings first and then honor them by not moving them as other requests come in. Don't allow yourself to become double booked or triple booked and do the same in return for others. Don't double book somebody without picking up the phone and asking if they might be flexible enough to move their previous commitment. I don't recommend that you give permission to others to see the details of your calendar, however. That is privileged information. See availability, yes. See what you're doing, no. Now, some of us do have assistants, people who manage our calendar for us, and that's terrific for those of us who do. Their primary job is to protect us and manage our time for us. They do the heavy blocking and tackling for us. And I hope you're using them to their fullest capability. But for those of us who don't have a person like that, we need to be good stewards of our time in other creative ways. So let's move to number two, prioritizing. After, you, after you've planned and assessed and really been thoughtful about the way in which you spend your time and the way in which you want to spend your time, the second is really prioritizing that time. So this means determining what will fill your time for the week, month, or year, and then actually blocking that into your calendar. What you prioritize is usually determined by your values. So here's a few examples. Family and friend time. Do you automatically as soon as you know that you need time for these things, put on things like vacations, kids' activities. Do you block out your calendar for doctor's appointments, holidays, gatherings? Um, do you take time and block out time to take care of your health, like working out or eating regular meals? Do you plan to think during your day, your week, your month? Do you block out a good hour or half a day to really spend time focusing on difficult situations, challenges, or strategies, or the future of your job or your business. One hour a day is a gift if you can really commit to that. I would start by planning one hour a week, first thing in the morning on a Monday or a Friday. Talent time. So if you have a team, do you plan for one-on-ones that allow for updates and development discussions? Do you also plan talent time with a team, your direct reports, to give them direction and have meaningful discussions and make decisions that matter to the organization? Are both your one-on-ones and your team times regular? Do you protect them 
or are you constantly rescheduling? Learning time. Do you build in time for conferences, to read, to take classes, attend workshops, listen to podcasts? Everything counts when it comes to learning and staying fresh. Do you build in time for your network? And I'm not talking about your internal network. That tends to be a little easier for us to do. But what about your external network? Do you build in one to two hours, maybe a week if you can, at least one hour, maintaining relationships, building relationships, getting onto LinkedIn or your industry website, studying trends, benchmarking, exploring opportunities maybe for your career. And again, make that an externally focused activity. Do you have peer time built in? Dedicated time where you can actually connect with your peers to understand not only what they're going with, but maybe even get their uh, help and, and guidance in solving some of your own challenges. And then, of course, there's all of your work priorities, necessary meetings, operating reviews, project details, work time, goals, ambitions, talent challenges, et cetera, et cetera. So the way in which you prioritize your time, it's the stuff that goes into your calendar first, and then the time that's left gets dedicated to the second priority, the third priority, and so forth. Again, if you haven't already seen it, there's a terrific video, an oldie but a goodie by Stephen Covey that talks about the difference between big rocks and little rocks. Big rocks are the top priorities in your life that you'll want to put in your proverbial container first. Think of that container as the finite amount of space you have, time you have to actually get work done. And then the little rocks or the sand is all the stuff that will fill in around those big rocks that will take up, again, any time that remains. You want to get your big rocks in your container first and then fill it up with the stuff that's less of a priority. I'll put a link to that video in the show notes. Third, pivoting. So of course, life will happen, work will happen, and planning and prioritizing, as I've mentioned it so far, works really well in a vacuum, but not necessarily when the day-to-day -day stuff comes at you at, in volumes. So when life and your coworkers cooperate, again, all things are great. It's when the little unexpected things reach your desk that our calendar goes awry. So how do you maintain a healthy calendar and address all of those drive-bys you get on a daily, sometimes maybe even an hourly basis. Here are a few tips, most of which will require some creativity and negotiation on your part. But keep these in mind uh, as options so that, again, you can take control over your calendar as opposed to letting it control you. First, protect your time. Color code appointments. Family is red, work is blue, work time is yellow, flexible time is purple. Make an agreement with yourself on which appointments are just unmovable and which appointments are flexible and can be changed if needed. If you're working with an assistant, make sure that he or she also knows that those are the guidelines by which you'd like to manage your time. Shorten anything that can be shortened. So, again, if you need to pivot, First, look at what can be shortened. If you need to fit in an additional meeting and you still want to honor the time that you had originally planned to spend it, see if you can make both of those things work. For example, let's say you have a pressing customer issue that's competing for time already scheduled for a one-on-one -on -one session with one of your direct reports. Ask your direct report to send you a project update via email 
and then focus on the limited time you have with that person to, to spend time talking about their development or maybe their career ambitions or a challenge that they haven't yet been able to solve on their own. So again, an hour-long meeting could be reduced to 30 minutes, focused solely on them, their development, and their career, where the other 30 minutes of updates can be sent to you via email. You're going for quality over quantity at this point. Can you miss the first inning of your daughter's baseball game in exchange for a quick, quick catch-up call on a product quality issue at work? Segment your commitments. Don't ever fool yourself into thinking you can multitask. Trust me, making a critical call while trying to watch your son's competitive hockey game isn't optimal for anyone involved. Next, combine efforts if you can. This isn't multitasking. This is actually making meaning, changing an agenda where you can. So if you find the need to do two things at once, combine agendas and give each topic its due. For example, again, let's say you have a customer issue that involves a couple people and you're about to have a one-on-one discussion with one of those people. See if you can get their permission to hold an impromptu 15-minute stand-up meeting with the small team involved, which includes the person who's there for their one-on-one. Ask to take up 15 minutes of that one-on-one time for this larger discussion and then resume your one-on-one conversation shortly after. Or you could alter your weekly staff meeting to be 50% typical agenda and 50% hot topic to resolve, as opposed to scheduling yet another meeting. The next way to pivot is to delegate. This is the one of the most underutilized strategies of them all. Most of our meetings are overpopulated with individuals who truly don't add value or who add duplicative value, meaning someone is already representing their point of view or their work. If I look at an agenda in the participant list for a meeting and I see that a peer or a direct report could properly represent my point of view or could make a sound decision on my behalf, I actually choose to opt out and ask that person for a quick update via email afterward. These days, people have so much work FOMO, fear of missing out, aka distrust, that everyone is attending every meeting all the time. It's the ultimate waste and the least strategic way to work. I've been in meetings with eight or nine people where only four of the participants were assigned actions, contributed to a decision, or gave updates. I could only assume that the others were there just in case. Now, some of you might say that they could join calls like that and simply multitask until something of interest maybe, I don't know, draws them in. Well, we all know that that never really works quite like that. People are asked to then repeat what they've just stated because the person didn't quite catch it. Or you can clearly see that people aren't paying attention or are preoccupied and that distracts us. The vibe of the overall meeting is anything but productive. So keep it small, focused, intentional, and as short as possible. Next technique is to postpone. This is the ultimate when really things are coming at you a mile a minute and you need to make some decisions quickly. You might have the opportunity to look at your calendar and find an activity or two that can be postponed, especially if they don't align to your ultimate goals and objectives. These are usually lower priority um, discussions that aren't necessarily time sensitive. Try your hardest not to postpone one-on-one time with direct reports or your team or your manager, if at all possible. I know I went through a phase when I had a team where the first to go were my 
one-on-one sessions and uh, my team got frustrated and shared that feedback with me and I uh, turned things around quickly. So of course that time means something to them. It's probably their one and only time to get your attention. And the more you put that to the top of the list, the more satisfied your team will be with the outcome. Do postpone meetings where there is no eminent concern or need to uh, discuss a critical issue or no looming deadline. Again, if you gather a group of people together, the agenda should be a robust one. So I've mentioned the word agenda a couple times, and this is definitely worth a bit of a soapbox moment, if you would give me the privilege. Rarely do I attend meetings without an agenda. That's one of my basic rules. When I worked in a corporate environment, I wanted to ensure that, number one, I came prepared. Number two, I was the right person or actually needed to attend that particular meeting. And number three, I wanted to ensure it was worth the time investment. And quite frankly, not necessarily in that order. It's your right to ask for an agenda up front. And it can be something as simple and non-threatening as, hey, can you just send me a few bullet points on what we're going to cover in, uh, in that meeting? And there you go. An agenda is had. It doesn't need to be specific with line items and uh, timelines attached and that sort of thing. Just a basic construct of what's going to be discussed and even better, desired outcomes, decisions that are to be made, that sort of thing. Now, as a consultant, things are a little different for me. It's not necessarily my time that I have the most control over, although I still try. If no agenda is offered, I might ask to just brainstorm an agenda as the meeting starts. Just very quickly, hey, you guys, can we just put down a few bullets of all the stuff we want to cover just to make sure we don't miss anything? This technique helps everybody stay on track. It helps us manage our time and it ensures that we have the right, uh, the right outcomes. Not having an explicit agenda has become more commonplace and quite frankly, a bit of meeting malpractice, if I can say so. I sometimes wonder if we renamed our meetings to things like decisions, might people be more thoughtful about their attendance? So for example, what if we used phrases like, let's schedule this decision for next Tuesday? Or are you going to the decision? I'm going to move the decision from 10 to 11 a.m. Hope to see you there. That at least gives you a sense of an intention. There's a purpose and there's certainly something to look forward to and prepare for. And lastly, cancel. Um, When, again, you can't avoid some of those last minute work things that just put a wrench in the works of your calendar, you need to change your original plans. Depending on the priority of the item being canceled, you might owe someone an email or a phone call as both an apology and perhaps a way to find a new time. A word to the wiser, sometimes you'll need to cancel time that you blocked for yourself, like a workout or think time. I see people giving that up, that time up way too freely, however. If you do that too regularly, you will demonstrate that those items were never really a priority at all. Again, as you need to pivot, do so based on a prioritization key, which items are negotiable and which are not. If you're having difficulty defining those items for yourself, you might need to go back to a good old-fashioned prioritization or values activity. Of course, I'll put a link to a few of my favorites in the show notes. Know what your values are and then decide how you're going to spend your time in alignment with those values. If one of your values is high productive work, then of course your work projects and all of the things that go along with that will certainly make the list. So now, your homework. 
Carve out 30 minutes to look at your calendar for this week and next week and answer the following two questions for yourself. Number one, does the way you spend your time align with your priorities? Calculate percentages for family and friends, for work time, for passion projects, time spent with customers, time spent with your employees, and time for learning and investing in yourself. And number two, are there opportunities to plan, prioritize, or pivot on your scheduled time? What could you delegate, excuse yourself from, shorten up, or postpone, or cancel? Because it's simply not a priority. We all need space in our day to think. Consider this a challenge to do just that and join me in the next episode for a focus on meeting constructs, how to ensure you're using the right tool for the job. And I'll close with something I was told many, many years ago. You know what kind of a person you are by the way you spend your time and your money. And when you go back and you look at your bank statement or your calendar and you see how you've spent your time, it truly does tell people what you value, what you prioritize, and what you truly feel is worth investing in. Make those investments wisely. I dare you. Bye for now. Thanks again for listening to the Do I Dare podcast. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share. Hey, and we'd love to hear from you. DM us on Instagram or LinkedIn. Share a topic of interest or a struggle that's top of mind for you. We'll give you a shout out on a future podcast. And for more information about Do I Dare and all things leadership, visit KimberlyKlimanLee.com, sign up for our weekly newsletter, and stay tuned for exclusive content access to the tools and resources you need to lead.